didn't. Thank you, praise team. God bless you. Amen. So good to have you here on a Sunday night. Um, and uh, we had a great morning. How many of you were here this morning? You enjoyed it? We had a great, great morning here. And uh, so glad to see Michael and his precious wife here, Michael Isbell. You know, uh, if you read in the Bible about the angel Gabriel, I think that's his brother. <laughs> uh, and uh, they are here tonight. Thank you, Michael, for coming over and blessing me. Uh, let me tell you, you know, um, Moses, Moses had Aaron on her. God gave Aaron on her to Moses. And um, what did they do? They only held up the arms of Moses because Moses needed just, that's all he needed, just somebody that can hold up his arms. And Michael is one of those, you know, this coming Thursday, he's flying down to Atlanta, Georgia, to bring me a bicycle. It's not just an ordinary bicycle, it's a very special gift, and he cannot wait to come and bring it to me Thursday. So I'll pick him up at the airport. On Thursday, we're going to get the bike into my car, and then we're going to do a great meal, and then he's going to fly back. Isn't that great to have friends that love you so much? They fly all the way down to bring you a bike. Well, he heard that mine broke, so I'm going to have a, a bike by Thursday, and uh, uh, if you don't see me in the churches anymore, it's because I'm on my bike, and um, okay. Tonight we're going to talk about Catch Peter. Catch Peter. Everybody say Catch Peter. Or you can say Catch and put your own name in there. Come on. How many of you are here to be caught? Not by evil person, by Jesus himself. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Catch Peter. Church, my, my preaching to churches is not really evangelistic. It's more apostolic, prophetic. It's more um, uh, <clears throat> speaking to you, building you up, and make you stronger. You know, the mantle of God upon my life is not to win. What is this, Huntington? Charleston, West Virginia, whatever. The mantle upon my life is not to win Charleston, West Virginia for Jesus. You say, oh no, why, do, what, why are you here? God put different mantles upon different people. The mantle upon this church is for this region. That's not my mantle. My mantle is to come in and empower you for what you need to do. Come on. That's why my mandate is different. Why would God put uh, Charleston, West Virginia, in, uh, make that my mandate, and I don't even live here? All I can do is I can just speak to the, to the Christians in the city and, and the churches in the city, and that's, that's where my mantle is. My mantle is to empower the church, and the church's mantle is to empower the city. Amen. So now you understand why I don't talk to the city and they are not here. I talk to you. Okay, thank you for your excitement. Now, Matthew 16, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Peter. I want to show you uh, the DNA and the character of Peter. Then I'm going to give you a brief glimpse into the future of Peter. 
And then I'm going to go to a very familiar chapter where Jesus got a hold of Peter. How many of you know that we all have characters and we all have character issues and character flaws? Well, there's about three of you that admit that you have a flaw. The rest of you are perfect. And I totally understand that. Uh, some of us are just falling behind. And uh, so... But let me start with this verse in Matthew 16, verse 15 to 18. And, and when, when Peter gave this answer to Jesus, you would say, well, that's common sense. No, sir. You must understand, we know a lot about Christ today because we have the Word of God. And, and we are, we've been taught the Word of God. So we know things. But for Peter, it was huge to say what he just said. But in Matthew 16, verse 15, it says there, and he said to them, but who do you say I am? This is Jesus now speaking to them. And Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, church, um, I actually have a, a life clip about Peter that I would have loved to play with a sermon. It's powerful. But I don't think I'm going to do it because I didn't bring it. And number two, it's going to take too much time. It's a powerful clip. It's going to take about 20 minutes to show you the clip. Uh, but Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In those days, it's not everybody that had that revelation. You are the Son, uh, uh, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the name Peter may mean rock, but Jesus did not build, when Jesus said, I will build my church on this rock, he did not mean I will build my church on Peter. It was the revelation. Come on. It was the revelation that Jesus said. So God cannot build any church unless that church have a revelation of who Jesus is. Come on. That's powerful. And we do not have a lot of revelation knowledge in churches these days. So, so that's what Jesus said to him. Now, let us have a look at Peter because that was a phenomenal thing that Peter said right there. But let's just have a look at his... Um, character and his DNA, and everything I'm going to say now, I can back up with scriptures, but I'm not going to go into all these scriptures. We don't have time, but let me just give you a brief glimpse of this man, Peter, his DNA and his character. Number one, he was rash and hasty. He was an irritable man of anger, but at times firm and loving. So he was an irritable man. Uh, in Luke 22, you will notice that this man denied Jesus three times. So he had no backbone at some point in his life. He will turn against you. Then in Matthew 14, you will see that he was also a man of little faith. Yeah, I'm talking about the man who just said, yes, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many of you know that when God is done with your character, you're a different person? So, so he was a man of little faith. 
In Matthew 15, you will see that he mistreated foreign people. And like I said, all these scriptures, we can go into it and make a whole sermon out of it. In Matthew 26, you will notice that when Jesus thought he will pray, he did not pray. He actually let Jesus down in Gethsemane when Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to pray. He did not pray. He fell asleep. Come on. How many of you would you like to have a leader on your board that fall asleep all the time? How many of you would like to have a pastor that fall asleep behind the pulpit? You will vote him out. Well, Jesus just changed you, and he votes you in. Uh, he did not care for children in Mark chapter 10. You can read it for yourself. He did not care for children. And, um, and then on top of that, at one point in his life, he had a tax problem. So he, he had a problem with the IRS. I'm serious. How many of you would, would approve a guy like that? But that is his character. Now let's jump into his future. Let's just have a quick look at his future. Uh, in the book of Acts, you will, you will see that the Bible talks about Peter as the chief apostle. Wow. He's now the chief apostle. Bible also, when the Bible talks about the 12 disciples, most of the time, the name Peter is mentioned first. Come on. Why? He made such an impact that his name is mentioned first. That's powerful. Peter, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, was the one who preached, and 3,000 people came to the Lord. You say, well, this is not the same guy that you just gave us a, a, a brief look into his character. 3,000 came to the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, you will find Peter at the gate of the temple. And there was a paralyzed man at the gate of the temple. And the Bible teaches us that they put the man there to ask money. Peter came and Peter decided, and he said to him, silver and gold I don't have. So the offerings were not good. Don't know which churches he went to, but he said, silver and gold I do not have. But then he said in the same breath, he says, but what I do have, rise up and walk. Come on. Any church that have a paralyzed man begging for money at the gate is not going to make a great impression on the city. I don't want to preach about that, but Peter cleaned up the gate of the temple and said, we cannot allow this testimony to go into the city that we cannot. We preach resurrection power in the church, but we cannot even fix our own gate. So the first thing Peter did, the chief apostle, he cleaned up the gate and the man walked with him into the building and the man was leaping with joy. That's Peter. And then when you, when you look at... Um, uh, Further down in the New Testament, you will find 1 Peter and 2 Peter. He wrote two books. So, so Peter was an incredible man of God. But somewhere, something must have happened. Somewhere, there must have been a transformation. And that's why I want to call it Catch Peter. 
Because you cannot have that kind of character problem and then you become that incredible chief apostle in the New Testament, in, in the book of Acts. Something happened somewhere. And now when you go to Luke chapter 5, you will find a beautiful story, and I'm not going to go into the detail of the story because there's, again, a lot of revelation hiding there, and, and I, I'm only here for three services. So it says in Luke chapter 5, And so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. This is now Jesus. He's standing at the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone washing their nets. So Jesus saw an everyday picture. Everybody, everybody say everyday picture. He saw two boats standing by the lake and the fishermen had gone washing their nets. It doesn't say he saw two angels and he got, no. He saw two boats standing by the lake. That's not a very impressive picture. That tells me somebody had a bad day. Have you ever had a bad day? Be careful. God saw it. So Jesus showed up, he saw this picture, and watch what happened now. Uh, he got into, the, he got into the, one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now Simon most probably had the bigger boat because he was the fisherman, because when he goes fishing, everybody say, we're going to go with you. So he was the initiator. He had that kind of temperament. Uh, he doesn't wait on other people. He goes first. And sometimes those are the kind of people that God says, if I can catch you, I can use you. Come on. So Jesus, uh, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little into the land, uh, from the land, and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So I want you to see this picture. Jesus showed up. Somebody, had, the fisherman had a bad day, got into the boat, took the boat a little bit into the water. Now Jesus is going to speak over the water, and now he teaches them about his kingdom. Now, how many of you know that that boat was never built to be a pulpit? Did you hear what I said? It's so good and you didn't even respond. That boat was never built to be a pulpit. But Jesus turned the boat into a pulpit. And he taught them about his kingdom. How many of you know that boat was made to catch fish? And that boat was not, if you want to catch fish for a meal, you use a fishing rod. But if you want to catch fish and turn that into money, you use a boat. Come on. And at that point, Peter had a tax problem. And Peter decided, I'm going to go out one more night because the Romans were coming for him. They knew about him. And he went out that night and, and, and he toiled the whole night and he caught nothing. But I want to say this to you. If you give your life, your boat, your structure, your dream, your vision, come on, because the boat was a structure. It was a dream. The boat was, the boat was built by man. It was a man-made idea. They built the boat according to what they think they can catch. And, the, and well, if, the, if you really know what is hiding under the ocean, you will not build that kind of boat. You will build something that Noah built. Amen? Now, what happened here is Jesus taught them about the kingdom, but Jesus knew, uh, I'm going to help Peter today to make a catch because Peter told all night, caught nothing. It was early in the morning. And 
the Romans is coming. He needed to play the IRS. And again, he caught nothing. How many of you know that many times you and I get to a place in our life where we've tried all options and nothing worked? But then Jesus say, can I use your, fail, your boat that failed last night? Can I use it for, I mean, I don't think Peter was in the mood for a sermon. Not that time of the morning when he already had a bad night. And he could not catch one fish and he had to pay taxes. So, <laughs> but when Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Peter these words in, in verse 4. He says, launch out into the deep. So now they're going to go back into the ocean. And, and I, I don't want to spend too much time here because I want to go to another chapter. And, uh, Lord, uh, uh, and he said to him, lay down your nets for a catch. So Jesus is saying, take your nets, plural, and let it down for a catch. Catch means to capture alive. How many of you know you cannot catch a dead fish? Okay, uh, if you have never knew that, I just gave you incredible revelation now. You cannot catch a dead fish. Jesus said, let's go for a catch. Jesus said, let me go and help you to get a grip on something that could slip away. How many of you would love to get a grip on things in your life? If you don't want to get a grip on anything, I'm leaving right now. Because I want to talk to people that want to get a grip on something. I want to talk to people that say, man, I want to, I want to get a grip on my life because I need to move forward in this life. Amen? Okay. So say amen every now and then. That, that, that'll help me to, to, to understand that you are still passionate. Launch into the deep and lay down your nets. Simon answered and said to Jesus, Master, we have told all night and we caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down your net. Now, Peter was kind of moody there. He was kind of moody. I wish I could have shown you the life clip about this. Because he's been tired, he, he told all night, caught nothing, and now this man comes and tells him, go back into the ocean. Now, when Peter went to catch the fish, he went at the right time. When Jesus said, let's go back, that was the wrong time. Because the, the ocean have their own seasons. High water, high, low water. But, you know, when Christ is in the boat, you can catch any fish at any time that normally will not come into your boat at the right time. That's why we are in this building tonight, because we realize that we're talking about a God in this building tonight that is different than all other gods in this world. And I wish the church want to get excited again about how God can provide for you. Come on. And... Um, Simon said, uh, we, called, uh, we called nothing, but at your word, I will lay down the net. The, now, you will notice in verse 4, Jesus said, take nets, plural. Peter said, we will go at your word and take a net, singular. He just adjusted God's word a little bit. You can make a little adjustment to God's word, and you will actually be in trouble. So that's what he did. But you know what? We all do that. We all try to help God. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and, they, and the net was breaking. There's, the plur, there's a singular net again. The, the net is not there. There's a singular net again. It was breaking. So, so in their mindset, they built a net. They designed a net 
in order for what they think you can catch. Not knowing that if God takes over your structure, if you give your life to God and that becomes a pulpit, you will catch things that other people cannot catch. You will get a grip on things that other people will ne never get a grip on. You will be able to do things that other people will not be able to do. Come on. That's what happened here. We call it catch Peter. You say, no, 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 no. It's catch fish. No, it's actually about catch Peter. Come on. God will sometimes allow you to catch something in the economy, get or come into something or have a certain breakthrough in your business or make a lot of money just to catch you. You say, no, 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 I just caught money. No. When God brings things miraculously into your life, it's, it's not because about the things, it's about you. He wants to get a hold of you. And sometimes he will use his own goodness and kindness to catch you. Okay? Okay, okay. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats and they both began to sink. I love it. Now they're sinking and Jesus is in one of the boats. So there goes your salvation. And you know what? Jesus never drowned. But listen to this. Both boats sink. But the Bible never say they sink. They sank, but they did not sink. Because you will find out they all made it back to the land. God will never get you a grip on something. But watch this. Both boats sink. The boats were built to carry a certain weight. God decided, I will put a weight in your boat that your boat was not carried for. Because, you know, his name is more than enough. His name is El Shaddai. When he multiplied bread, there's always bread left over. Twelve baskets. When he delivered manna, there was always manna on the floor. And Jesus said, Don't pick up what you need. Leave the rest on the floor. Tomorrow I will drop more bread. God is the God of multiplication. And um, so here God fills both their boats, not with dead fish. They filled the boats with flip-flopping fish. You must understand, church, they had more fish in those boats than what the boats was built for. Can you imagine what that looked like? So now, from a boring night, Peter was irritable. The next moment when the ocean flipped into their net, it changed the atmosphere in the boat. God can change the atmosphere in your life with one catch. Come on. I pray that God will bless some of you that you will come in here next week with microphones and speakers and shouting at the top of your voice because of what has happened this week. God can make, oh man, come on. You are so, react, please, do something. It's right there. And um, I wish I can show you my life clip. It's so powerful. And, uh, and they signaled to the other boat, and they came, and, 
and, and, and the, both of the boats sank because they, watch what, what happened here. They caught more than what they can eat. Why? Because God is Jewish and he knows how to get the money. Yeah. Go and watch the Jewish people. They are very blessed. They know how to make money. And, uh, and, and if you read further on, you will actually see there's a mission trip coming. <laughs> and somewhere we need to get the money. That's why I, I, I don't want to ask people to help me. I want to ask God to help me. Because if God helps me, the, all the bills are paid. Amen. Now, okay. So, so the boat sank, and it says in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell. Now, Simon Peter. So there's only two people that is really highlighted in this chapter. It's Jesus and Peter. You will notice the other disciples were there as well. They were all there. Peter, James, John, they were all there. And Mark was on the, on the land. And, uh, but the Bible only talks about Peter. That's why, that's why I showed you what his character was all about. And then I showed you what he was the chief apostle in the book of Acts. And I'm going to show you that when God catch you, you become a different you. Come on. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're about to turn into another you. I've got a word. The real you. That's a sermon for another day. It's a powerful word. The real you. Okay. Now, so Peter saw it, fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Now, what happened here? Peter saw fish, but he saw so much of it that it overwhelmed him. Because You must understand, at that moment, Peter knew my taxes are paid. I've got no IRS problem anymore. I'm not afraid of the Romans anymore because they are coming for their taxes. That's the first thing that went through him. The second thing is he realized this is the miracle working Jesus. So he had a bad night. Because before that, he was in a discussion with his wife, and, 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 and she actually told him that um, he, he wandered off from the Lord, and he's kind of lukewarm and all of that. And here he is. He's desperate. He's in trouble. And, and, and here he sees so much fish and so much money, and immediately he knew I, my, all my money problems have been fixed. But you see, that was the catch. This happened in a boat. This happened in the marketplace. This happened where you make your money every day. And, and what happened here? Jesus did not quote one scripture. Jesus had, did not, I mean, Jesus did a teaching before they went in to catch fish. The sermon did not catch Peter. When Jesus showed Peter what he can do in his world and how he can... I mean, you must understand, Peter was a professional fisherman. 
But the Bible says when he saw it, when he saw what fish really look like, when he saw what the bottom of the ocean looked like when it comes into your boat, he realized there's things hidden in this world that God can bring to you as a blessing. If, if you know what God can put into your lap, you will not sleep tonight. If you don't need this word, I need it. So if you're not going to say amen, I'm going to say amen on my own word because I need this. This is a two-edged sword. Okay. So now he confessed sin. What, what made him confess sin? He saw the goodness of God. We come out of a generation where they preach hell and brimstone. I remember when I was young, man, every Sunday night you give your heart to the Lord. I remember those days. And then, I mean, I would just go to the Sunday night service and I already feel guilty. <laughs> I mean, I confessed last week, but I go back when I feel guilty again and I need to really bite on my teeth. I'm not going to raise my hand again. I feel like I want to do it again. But man, if I raise my hand again, they're going to think I've got so much sin because I've been there last week and I've been there the previous week. I'm going to skip this week, man. I think I'll make it for one week because, man, they really know how to preach hell. And, and Lord, I feel I'm, I'm already well done barbecued uh, uh, and I, well, next Sunday I confess my sin again, and then I found out that's not always the best way to win somebody over. But when you see the goodness and the kindness and the generosity of his heart towards you, you don't need a sermon. He fell down on his knees and he said, I'm a sinful man, get away from me. What it's actually saying is, you cannot bring such abundance into a fisherman's boat that is not even perfect. But you see that it's the goodness of Christ that will get you. Now what hap what's happened here? What happened here is Jesus helped them to catch fish. And then you will notice when you read further on, the Bible says, Jesus said to them in verse 10, he says, uh, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Come on. So you have catching fish and you have catching men. But there is a third catch. The moment Peter caught the fish, <laughs> I think Jesus stood there and Jesus said, <laughs> I just caught him. I've got him. I've got him. I allowed him to catch fish that he will not catch on his own. But by doing that, I just caught him. And now I'm going to lead them, all those disciples. They were all in that boat, two of boats. And Jesus said, hey guys, now that I've caught you, man, we've got money enough. We've got fish enough. We've got the budget covered. Hey guys, you got your fish. I got you. And now I want to ask you, come with me and let's go and catch men. Three catches. 
See, that's why I call it catch Peter. Because if God can catch Peter, God can change his character. And that was the day, the moment Jesus blessed him by showing him how much fish he can catch, Jesus actually caught him and made him an apostle in the future. Come on. It's the goodness of God that will set you up for a great future. Because you will notice in, uh, and I don't want to go into this either because this is actually a whole sermon on its own, but when you go to John chapter 21, you will notice this is the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples. And uh, this is the final chapter in the book of John, and the next book is the book of Acts. So the next book is the book of Acts where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to start, and that's where Peter is now the apostle. He's not the weak fisherman anymore. He's now the apostle. And, um, but here we have Jesus in John chapter 21, and just before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he visited the disciples for the third time. That's the third time after his resurrection that he appeared to the disciples and Jesus had some fish on the coals and he had a fire going. You can read it there. And that's what I love about Jesus. He loves breakfast. Come on. Pentecostals love to have church and eat. Well, I think all church people are like that lately, but the Pentecostals take it to another level. And um, so Jesus had fish on the, on the coals, and he had bread on the coals. I think it was special kind of toast that he had. And, uh, and Jesus asked them, have you caught any fish? And they didn't catch anything, and, and Jesus helped them, and you will read there for yourself. And they caught 153 tilapias. I'm serious. It was not salmon. It was tilapias. That's one thing where I disagree with Jesus. I don't like tilapia. I like salmon. But then watch this. Watch this. Now Jesus appeared to them, and he helped them to catch all this fish again. But then in um, verse 15 and verse 16 and verse uh, 17, you will notice that Jesus asked Peter three times the same question. Peter again. Come on. We're talking about catch Peter. It's all about Peter. The more God zero in on you, the more it should tell you there's something great in your future coming. The more the Holy Spirit prompts you and bombards you and you feel like you cannot get away from the prompting of the Holy Spirit, be aware God has earmarked you for a great future. Come on. So here he's with, they are sitting around the fire. All the disciples were there. Again, Jesus zero in on Peter. He, he asked Peter a simple question three times. Everybody say, Peter again. And what did he ask? He says, do you love me? And then Peter answered every time and and Peter said the first time, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Amazing. And then in verse 16, Jesus said, 
do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Third time, Jesus said, do you love me? Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Peter said, you know all things. It's almost like Peter said, you know all things. You know that I love you. I think Peter must have felt, why is he zeroing in on me? It's not the first time. But you see, Peter at that point, I told you that he was a failure in so many areas of his life. He was a denier. He had no faith, treated children not the right way. He was irritable. He was a difficult character. He had a temperament at times. So Jesus is zeroing in on the love thing. Why did Jesus not say to him, Peter, this is the last time you will see me. I'm about to go to my father. But you know, Jesus already saw Acts chapter 2. Jesus already saw Acts chapter 3. And Jesus already saw that Peter will be an apostle. Jesus already knew that Peter will be the one that will clean up the gates of the temple. And Jesus already saw that Peter will be crucified upside down. Because Peter was the one who said, I, when they crucified him, they said, don't crucify me like they crucified Jesus because I'm not worthy of that crucifixion. And they crucified him upside down. Peter never denied Jesus again. Peter never turned against children again. Peter, you, you never need to ask Peter to pray. He was a praying man. What happened? God changed his character. But you know what? He had a bad character, incredible apostle in, action, in, in the book of Acts. But it all started with the day when Jesus caught Peter. I will never, for day, never forget the day when Jesus caught me. October the 9th, 1971. I was on a camp for, for youth and it was Saturday afternoon. I walk out of the kitchen. We just, had, uh, uh, we just had our lunch that day on the camp conference. Next day, conference will end Sunday morning. And then we will go back to school Monday, Tuesday. We will go back to school and we will do our final exams for grade 12. I will go to the army because those days we had to go to the army. If you were a, if you were a male person in South Africa, you go to the army. If you don't go, you go to prison. It's like Israel. So we had to do defense force service for one year and two years. But that, that Saturday afternoon, he, he, I was on my knees. I've never had an experience like that. I was on my knees, and I couldn't get rid of the presence of God, and I was on my knees, and I prayed, and I just prayed, and I didn't even know how to pray. I mean, I was a young guy uh, about to finish school, and, and I remember I said that day, Lord, you can send me wherever you want to send me. Why do you pray like that? You've been caught. Because the day when Jesus said to them in, in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus said, follow me, we will now catch men. They all left their boats. They all left their fishes. They just discovered where the money comes from, but they discovered something bigger. They discovered if he knows where to find the money today, he will know where to find the money tomorrow. Let's follow him 
and they caught men. Why are you here tonight? God says, I'm here to catch you. He says, oh, well, I've already given my life to the Lord, and I'm a Christian. I know. I know. I know. I gave my heart to the Lord at a young age, but there was a few times in my life that he caught me. Even in America, there's certain times that God will say, come here again, I want to talk to you. And then when you go out of that room, you say, okay, Lord, uh, mm, huh. she didn't have gone into that room. I remember 11 years ago, the Lord spoke to me about the upper room. I, should, I said to the Lord, I said, okay, God, you tell me, what do you want from the church? should never have asked him that. He answered me. And when he answered me, I couldn't get rid of him. He caught me. He caught me. Why am I in your church? I haven't been here for six years. I'm 69. I'm supposed to retire. That man is bringing me a bicycle so that I can exercise and live longer. Why am I still doing what I'm doing? I've been caught. And when God catches you, you cannot get out of his grip. Now, what God catch you for and what he catches me for is two different things. But then we all have been called by God to catch men and women. So you cannot slip away. You know, church, sometimes God raises up people in the marketplace and they give. Let me be honest with you. What I do in the kingdom of God, I cannot do without the help of people. I come from a culture where we never talk about money. We don't receive our own offerings. But I had to learn that, Lord, I cannot catch the world without people helping me to catch the world. So to a certain degree, we are caught for the same purpose. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. And what happened? They followed Jesus. And there they go. And all of a sudden, Peter, I don't even think Peter looked back at that boat. <laughs> I almost thought the IRS had me. But man, he caught me just in time. He fixed my IRS problem. <laughs> I can go home and say to my wife, don't worry. The Romans will not get a hold of you anymore. We're good now. Because Jesus showed up. Late that, uh, early that morning, and he turned my bad night into a good night. He fixed my problems with the RS. But sorry, honey, I'm not going to see you much from now on. I turned into an evangelist. <laughs> sorry, honey, I thought I would be a fisherman forever, but just when I made money, man, I made money. Oh, honey. Oh, I think her, his wife was an American lady. That's why he called her honey. Honey, I just caught money. Oh, we've got money. I can build you an incredible home. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> you caught me, but he caught me, and his catch is greater than your catch. Because he is God, 
I still love you, but I must follow him and preach the gospel. I know I've been a bad guy. I know I had no backbone. I know I've been a liar. I know I've been a denier. I know I've treated women very badly. I know I have no good reputation with foreigners. And I know I did not treat the children really well. But I tell you what, and I know I fell asleep when I should have prayed. But you know what, honey? Since I saw the fish, he caught me. And now I'm a different man. I'm not the same anymore. My past is gone. I'm in his grip. He got me. I thought I caught fish. But then I felt somebody just caught me. And then I fell on my knees and I said, I'm a sinful man. Forgive me, Lord. I will follow you. And Jesus probably said in his heart, come on, chief apostle. You don't know what you look like in the book of Acts. Come on, chief apostle. You don't know that you are the main speaker on the day of Pentecost. Come on, chief apostle. You don't know who you really are. You're the one that will clean the gate of the temple in Acts chapter 3. Come on, chief apostle. You're going to write two books in the New Testament that will go global. And they will read the epistle, first epistle and second epistle of Peter. Come on, chief apostle. You will become so bold. You will be crucified upside down. You will be the rock on which I will build my church. You had a character problem. But since I caught you, you changed other people's characters. Oh, it's worthy to get into his grip. If you say tonight, Lord, strengthen your grip on me. Because you will not come to a Sunday night meeting if Jesus does not already have a certain grip on you. Because it's not everybody that comes to Sunday night services lately. Only when I'm in town we have Sunday night services. It's the same in all the churches. They don't do Sunday nights. When I come, they do Sunday nights. I'm still old school. I cannot get rid of the grip. I was sitting in my room this afternoon. I said, Lord, I'm tired. How will I get through this night now that the anointing is on me? I'm not tired anymore. It's amazing when the grip gets a hold of you. He strengthens you. And I want to say to all of you tonight, if you say tonight, Lord, fasten the grip. Is that the right way of saying it? Fasten the grip means tighten the grip. Okay, I thought so. There's another word. Thank you. Tighten the grip. Come on. Are you excited? I know you want to catch money this week. I know you want to catch a business this week. I know you want to, and, 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 oh, yeah, and I pray that it'll happen. And I pray that next time you see pastor, you're going to say to him, pastor, you will not believe me. I am more passionate about Jesus now than ever before because I came into a lot of money this week that I knew it's not me.
it must be God that can bring that kind of fish into my boat. And then he will hear in your voice, you've got a different revelation of who Jesus is. <sighs> There's a few times that he caught me. And I cannot tell you all my stuff because it's none of your business. You know, I have some privacy as well. <laughs> but I've got a few, a few private things. If I tell you, you will know why I'm so passionate about him. Because, I mean, this Thursday I will get a bicycle. If you can get excited over a bicycle. You know, Yonky Cho. How many of you heard about Yonky Cho? You never heard about Yonky. There's one guy that heard about Yonky Cho. He's got the biggest church in the whole world. I almost went there two years ago. They invited me. 90,000 people go through one building in one day. Six services. 15,000 per service. 80,000 people in a stadium praying. How did it start? He started with one person. And one day he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, I need a bicycle. God never delivered the bicycle. One day he said to the Lord, where is the bicycle? I ask you for a bicycle. The Lord said to him, Yonki, you've never told me the color. Don't let me preach about colors. I've learned that God knows my color preferences. And don't let me tell you the stories because it's none of your business. I'm serious. It's none of your business. I cannot tell you everything. <laughs> and you know what? He told God the color. Next day, God delivered the bicycle. He's a good God. He will catch you with his goodness. That man built the biggest church in the whole world. Prayer warriors. How many of you believe tonight God can bring his goodness to you and catch you and make you passionate for him like never before? Come on. Maybe there's somebody here that say, well, pastor, I'm already blessed and I don't really need much more. Well, he'll just dump it on you. And when he dumps it on you, he'll take you to another level. It's very obvious, very obvious, Jesus caught Peter with fishes that was meant for money. That's what Jesus did. So if you have a money problem, and you say, well, don't talk about money, well, then you don't want to know God. He's Jewish. Second time I'm saying it now. He's Jewish. <laughs> Come on. How many of you say tonight, tighten your grip, God. Tighten your grip on me. Come on. I want to help this church. That's an apostolic mantle that's on me. I'm here to help you to become a more powerful church. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to catch the city. You're going to catch the city. I'm just helping you to get a grip. Come on. Jesus saw their bad day. 
or two boats standing by the lake, fishermen gone, washing their nets. Not a good picture. Jesus decided, hmm, I can change that picture. I can change it. But before I change it, I'm going to test them. I'm not going to tell them what I have up my sleeve. I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to first test them. Peter, can you put your boat a little bit into the water so that I just want to teach them about my kingdom? Peter, he's not in the mood for another sermon. That was the test. Never did they know that God is now going to show them what he knows about the ocean that they never knew. If you say tonight, use me, you are setting yourself up for a money catch. How many of you need finances this week to make it? Okay. How many of you would love to have good food in your tables? One, two, three, four, five. The rest of you are on a fast. How many of you came by car tonight? How many of you came by, you just walked to the church? You probably live just, yeah, well, you don't qualify. You probably have a car at your home. You don't have a car? Well, it's time that you get one. But you know what? You cannot function without finances. It's impossible. But God says, I want to help you in your everyday life so that you will see who I am so that I can upgrade you for my kingdom's sake. He upgraded Peter for his kingdom's sake. You could be busy with money today, but you could be busy with something else in the future because God already sees you in the future. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, Peter, Peter. Yeah, Peter, Peter. Oh, Peter, I'm focusing on you, Peter. Because, Peter, if you know, if you know what your future looks like. Oh, Peter, I am the Lord. I am God. I am a prophet. I can see into the future. Peter, you don't know what your future looks like. But, Peter, I already know what your future looks like. That's why I'm bombarding you with the love questions in John 21. Because, Peter, come on. The reason you're in this building tonight, God is bombarding you. Because God is saying, you don't know your future. I know your future, and that's why I'm bombarding you. Oh, because <laughs> if you know how I will use you, not too long from now, you will understand why I prompt you to come to the Sunday night service so that I can tease you, prompt you, stir you, Are you getting this? How many of you say tonight, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Can I get some music there, ma'am? Just what kind of, just nice music. 